2: smarter than your average sports show you're listening to rothman and ice
3: all right rothman and ice we'll have gary Gramlin on we'll talk to him nfl bottom of the hour join the fan for the ozone tailgate on lane for the best
4: game day tailgate in town catch the pregame show with myself and Tyvis powell listen to live music and watch the game if you're not headed inside be sure to bring cash for your favorite tailgate refreshments, the OGO, oh, excuse me, the Ozone Tailgate on Lane is sponsored by Kohler and Buckeye Power Sales, White Claw and Jack Daniel's.
3: We'll see you tomorrow. I'll be out there in about a few hours. It feels like hanging out, buying drinks at six, hanging out all day, all damn night. Maddie Ice Hayes. Then you
4: guys can hang out with Ar, and when he gets done with his pregame show, he's hopping in the dunk tank. So we got a lot
3: going there on. There is a dunk tank? Yeah. Well, I've heard you're you're the guy that signed up for that get in it sign me up man <laughs> am i am i doing the dunking or getting dunked you're getting dunked big dog oh, that's not that's, that's not what right. we gotta do it's not right <sighs> um yeah so just to give so uh my buddy uh, jamie over at dream seats tells me that for people that really that care whether you'll be able to say it was a sellout or not because i think that's what this is uh, you and i have talked all week about if we get the right ninety four thousand in there it's fine <laughs> yeah. Plus, if the only seats that are that are available are technically bad seats, like or how should I, not good seats, Noseblades. then okay. At yeah. 160, I don't need to sit in the top row. <laughs> but I would say that there are people that there's a lot of pride in saying when you have a stadium of 102,000 plus when you can say it's sold out. I know it feels good to say it. Media love to say it. Fans love to say it. And you may not be able to say it tomorrow. Okay, would you rather say uh, it was a great atmosphere and you got a great dub, but it wasn't sold out? So approximately 3,000 still remain from OSU and about 3,700 on the secondary market. Now, whether that's at different sites or whether that's on Craigslist or where people listing tickets. um, So that's that's down from the 10,000 number to 6,700 for people that are interested. And your boy is not one of them. I was interested in last night's game a plenty. How was that? Um, How good was that, man? Well, it was, there was, there's a lot to get to. And I think that for most people's money, the fact that the Dallas Cowboys not only hung with them, but in a weird way you feel should have beaten them. You get a little better field goal kicking. If you get a little bit of a break, if you get, if you're on the right side of a call at the end of the game, you're walking out with one of the great upsets of the year in week one, and it would feel... Now, it already feels to me like Dallas can be for real this year because all we're waiting to see was whether Dak could be Dak. He was incredible. He was incredible. He led them in every way he could, and he didn't have a running game to speak of, and he has his weapons. We know that. He had guys that were inconsistent. C.D. Lamb was great and then he was bad and he was great and he was bad, but he was good enough. And Cooper was great. Tight end was unbelievable all night long. Dalton right, Schultz, yeah. All night long. And this is a game, if you told me, I don't know how many yards Zeke had. You have 40? What, what, what 33. He okay. You would have told me yesterday and I know that it was going to be tough to run against them without Zach Martin. You would have told me that Zeke Elliott had under 35 yards rushing. And Dallas would be leading the game with a minute and a half or whatever left, I would have said, Nope, not possible. I just don't I just wouldn't think that he could be such a non factor and they could be leading the game with under two minutes to go in the fourth on the road.
4: Zeke's been getting dunked on since last night, and I don't really understand why, because to me it was clear, in my opinion, what they were trying to do. And they kept highlighting it throughout the game, is they were essentially using Zeke as an extra offensive lineman last night in a lot mm-hmm. of situations because of what you mentioned, No Zach Martin there. They knew that they were going to be bringing a whole bunch of pressure up front. And that's been something that Zeke's been touted for since he was here at, his, at Ohio State was his protection up front. So when you combine No Zach Martin, Dak coming back from that ankle injury, I didn't really expect Zeke to be a major factor in this game because of all of those things. So I'm still in wait and see mode on that. But, like, like my takeaway isn't that Dak and those guys were great. My takeaway still is that Cowboys defense is still Swiss cheese. They can't stop anybody. This is exactly what we saw in the first handful of games from Dak and the Cowboys last year, is that they put up all these crazy numbers, and it's because they have to. They have to do that. Their defense isn't good enough to stop anybody and that's still a problem for me so if I was a Cowboys fan sure I feel good about Dak and it was great to see him throwing it up and down the the lot but 58 attempts is too much for me if I'm a Cowboys fan so that's the elephant in the room it's not how great their offense was it's to me their defense looks exactly the way it did and they're not going to win a whole bunch of things in my opinion playing that way so until they show me that defensively they're going to be able to stop anybody. Then I got a problem with Dallas because we saw one of their top corners go down early talking about Tampa. They had another DB that's a starter for them that didn't play in that game, so they should have been able to take advantage of that. So it's great to see Dak healthy, but I'm not praising the Cowboys today for almost winning a game and them still showing the flaws that they showed a year ago.
3: Yeah, see, I am only because of my expectations, and I think people's expectations of them as a team. A lot of people didn't think they were a playoff team. Maybe they still don't, and maybe you don't. That's fine. I just feel like my expectations going in were that they were going to get slaughtered, that, that 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 they were not going to be in the game. They were an opportunistic defense. They took the ball away. They they had made a great hit at the goal line on Godwin when he's trying to spin for extra yards when he shouldn't, but I know his instincts were telling him to get into the end zone. Um, but they, they took the ball away. They punched the ball out. Lawrence punched it out. Um, they had to defend perhaps, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league still, and one of the best weaponry, you know, on the road. And they hung with them that that's, I I feel like there was a response from them last night that people weren't expecting. So I agree with you while they're not a world great defense, I just, I did not expect them to be able to do what they did. And you know what? It's, it's. It's, to me, I judged them based on the expectations that people had for them, and no one had them hanging in that game. They really didn't. Outside of maybe Drew Brees, who was going to play both sides of it, that'll be closer than you think. Um, because of his first night on the network. I don't <laughs> think he was going to be like, well, yep, Dallas is going to go down in flames. But everybody else thought they would. And so I'm, I'm actually praising them a little bit with everything they had, Super Bowl night, celebration night in Tampa, and the way they were able to, to hang in there. As far as Zeke goes, I, I don't like that. The one-on-one move that he had with Adams inside the five going to his left. And I and i don't know. I think uh, Ryan Clark said this on Get Up. This one, $90 million. You got to beat that guy. You got to beat him. You got to beat him. You got to beat him. He's not the kind of talent that should be able to take Zeke down. Zeke's going to his left. It's not the easiest. Run. You're either going to cut back or stutter step and try to get to the pylon. He tried to cut back and stop his momentum. The guy leveraged him on the shoulder pad, and he goes down. You don't want to see it, but I don't... I. I It's one of those things where I think if Zeke's sweeping to the right, maybe he has a better chance, but he just got out-leveraged on that play. I I can't
4: remember which tight end it was, whether it was Jarwin or Schultz, but to me, that guy missed that block and allowed that defender to get that free run at Zeke. And that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of people putting that on Zeke, but the tight end to mean, missed the block. And if he has that block, then Zeke runs into the end zone with nobody even close to him. So yeah, like we need to see a lot more from Zeke. I- I'm totally fine with saying that, but last night I don't think the game plan was, Hey, we're going to run it down no, no. their throats. Like no. I-, I wasn't expecting that. And on the flip side of it for Tampa, I've been mentioning it, man. Like Antonio Brown, like if he gets back to his old form, that is a nightmare. Seems Mike, like he is. Mike Evans, <laughs> non-factor, didn't even matter because Antonio Brown right. showed that he can still be the best wide receiver in the league. And we know he and Brady have phenomenal chemistry. His first game as a Patriot in Miami he caught a touchdown yesterday. He was all over the place. Uh, they, yeah, that's a, uh, that's a problem for the league
3: right there that he's back to that level. One thing real quick before we get to Gary Gramling the dak press uh, the uh, the play at the end all right godwin could it go either way on the on the opi yes but i'm i'm sick of people saying that a you don't call it because it's at that point of the game that's garbage it's either a penalty or it's not two i don't need to hear a guy saying that the db was flailing and and acting and flopping he wasn't It's a back shoulder throw. His momentum is taking him away from the play. And there was a little bit of a push. And he's trying to grab to get back in it because he knows he has to recover. His momentum's taking him in that direction. So one, it's a penalty, call it. Number two, not a flop in my mind.
4: He was falling backwards. I'm fine with the non-flag. I'm one of those people in that moment. Let the dudes play, man. I don't like flags deciding those type of moments. And it it wasn't over the top for me. So I'm good with it.
3: Gary Gramley next. We'll preview the Brownies. Rothman and Ice on The Fan. All sports, all the time, and whatever it is Common Man and T-Bone
2: do, we still don't know. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Sports talk, well done. Just like Matty enjoys his steak,
3: you're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, talk a little NFL with our friend Gary Grambling, senior editor of Sports Illustrated, the MMQB. Gary, good to have you back. How are you guys? We're good. I think Steeler fans are going to be happier on today. I don't think Browns fans are going to be happier on today. Am I? Am I looking into the crystal ball correctly, or have you reserved the right to perhaps change your mind about the AFC North considering what's going on in Baltimore?
1: I was going to say I can always change my mind. Uh, yeah, look, what's going on in Baltimore is wild, uh, and. Uh, you know, uh, look. We, we know running backs don't have the same value that they've always had. I don't want to overstate uh, the value of the position, but uh, I mean, my goodness, when you are going that far down your depth chart, it's a it's a huge issue, especially before Week One here. And look, Marcus Peters is every defense in the league wants to force turnovers. Marcus Peters is a little bit of feast and famine, but he is the guy who creates turnovers in your secondary, and losing him is just it's monstrous. I, I can't. I really can't remember a team uh, that's had a rash of injuries like this during the summer like the Ravens have just had.
4: Crazy. It's, uh, starting to resemble what happened in San Francisco last year, right? Where their roster, was just all their top guys are out. And, uh, yeah. we'll see, you know, they can still look out there and see their franchise quarterback and some other star players. So, uh, we'll see how they recover bringing in Latavius Murray and company. I want to go back to last night and it's just so funny, Gary. And, you know, Dallas kicks that field goal to go up late. And I look down at the clock and I see a minute and 24 and one timeout in Tampa's corner. And I said, Here we go. I've seen this movie for 15 plus years now with Tom Brady marching down the field for a game-winning drive. Uh, What was your biggest takeaway from those two teams going at it?
1: Yeah, uh, look, I think everyone had that sense. And when it boiled down to it, the Cowboys just on the back end, they, they couldn't match up, and, and that's that's an even bigger issue there. Uh, I mean, look, the quarterbacks were great last night. Both teams were sloppy, but that'll clean itself up. Uh, look, I think the final score was fairly reflective of where these teams are. I think the Cowboys are maybe in a better spot than we thought, mostly because Dak Prescott, and he didn't look like vintage Dak Prescott. He didn't look like he was 100%. Uh, I thought there was a, you know, on a couple of his runs, I thought uh, maybe a year ago Dak Prescott is lowering his shoulder instead of just sort of, uh, you know, going down and taking the two or three yards, but uh, I mean, he's there. Some of the throws he was making in the second half, where he couldn't step into him, where he was taking contact as he released the ball, plenty of zip on it. I, I don't think there's a huge problem with the shoulder here. So, good news for the Cowboys. Uh, that defense will probably get better as the year goes on, just because it's so many young guys. And then on Tampa side, I mean, look, it, the Cowboys were a pretty good matchup against them. Uh, you know, Tampa is not deep in the secondary. They lose Sean Murphy, Bunting. Uh, you know, and and, and you know they, they couldn't match up with those. Cowboys receivers so uh strength that defense up the middle the Cowboys avoided it entirely and that's why they moved the ball on them I don't think most teams will do that to this Bucs defense and then we see what's happening offensively this is now a Tom Brady offense It's, it's no longer a compromise in any way shape or form this is a Tom Brady offense the Bruce Arians playbook is just out the window Tom might as well uh just take the offensive coordinator title at this point
3: you know for many years uh people would pick against the browns and rightfully so even their own fans probably were waiting for something bad to happen and even when good things were happening they were waiting for you know the rug to get pulled out from under them uh, this year seems different it doesn't seem you agree i saw all the si picks unless you've changed your mind since you've done your picks <laughs> why why do you feel the do the browns does the browns team not match their hype or do you think that they will fail under the pressure of that hype? Because I think there are two different things.
1: I just want everyone in Northeast Ohio to stay humble. Uh, (laughs) It's... I'm a little bit worried about what they have defensively. I like the individual talent defensively. I do believe it, it. when you bring in that many new faces, especially in the secondary, I do believe it takes a year for it to mesh, or, or, or at least a couple of months here, uh, for it to really mesh the way it has to uh, to mesh to, to basically become the, the sum of your parts. So that's what I'm a little bit worried about. I'm bullish on Baker. I I went back and forth on him last year. I think when you look at his body of work as a whole, uh, you had to kind of throw away the various hurricane games he played in and what that was. It's a highly schemed offense, so it's very tough to sort of say, uh, you know, is is he, you know, maybe he's Kirk Cousins plus or something like that, as opposed to a um, a Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, whoever else you want to put in that very upper echelon. But the offense works. Uh, the question is going to be, you know, when they land in spots where they are trailing, when they land in shootouts, uh, are they going to be able to keep up if uh, if, if they're not running the ball uh, with the frequency that they want to run the ball in that offense? So uh, it's less me being bearish on the uh, on the Browns here and a little more me being, uh, I, look, I have been bullish about the Ravens. I guess i got to rethink that a little bit. I am bullish on the Steelers. I think people are completely underestimating uh, that team and, and frankly, where uh, people are about Ben Roethlisberger, like he's Luke Falk or something, uh, it, it, he's not what he was, but he's still pretty good, and you saw, especially late last year, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking of the comeback win over the Colts, uh, when they had to push the ball downfield, they pushed it downfield, they just conserved him a lot uh, with that quick strike offense that they put in.
4: I think a lot of eyeballs this weekend are going to be on that Patriots and Dolphins game, just because of all the noise around two of this offseason, and then, now, with Mac Jones taking over for the Patriots, I can't wait to see what that looks like. But that Miami team is very interesting to me, Gary, just because of how solid they were a year ago. And look, if they maybe they got a little bit more from Tua, that puts them over the top. But what's your feel on Tua this offense and what the Dolphins are going to be bringing inside that AFC East this year?
1: I'm not wild about Tua just because you look around the league. The quarterbacks who have taken off, they're traits guys. They have special traits. It's a, it's a Lamar Jackson, a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, a Justin Herbert. Uh, Tua doesn't have any special traits. He's kind of a, uh, you know, he, this is supposed to be, he, he's supposed to be a, a, a very, very accurate quarterback. We didn't quite see that last year. He really struggled to manage the pocket last year, which I think is a red flag now he is going to be in a system built a little more with him in mind than he was a year ago under Chan Gailey. So maybe that has him turn the corner. Obviously, the receivers are better there. And, you know, he's just the guy – the The supporting cast in the scheme is going to have to lift him up, I think, when it's all said and done. And I don't know if they're quite at that point. And, frankly, I, I think that's why teams or, – or I shouldn't say teams. Uh, that's why <laughs> That's why a lot of pundits like us are looking at this and saying, you know, maybe it's not quite the Dolphins' breakthrough year. You want to see a little bit more from Tua before you bank on that. But uh, we know what they have in the secondary. And, you know, defense is probably going to be pretty good. It's just a question of uh, I don't know if there's a path to a lot of, uh, I don't know, 20-17 to 17 type wins for uh, for this team in 2021.
3: Well, if you're right, man, there's going to be a lot of sad dudes around here uh, wearing the orange and fudge because uh, they're expecting to challenge uh, Kansas City and make a run and challenge Buffalo and uh, certainly be uh, one of the best in the AFC. So, But it's going to be fun to watch them live. try to live up to contender hype, not just playoff or bust hype anymore. Now, now it's time to make a run. Gary, thanks for jumping on, man. We'll talk to you throughout the year.
1: You got it, guys. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, Gary.
3: Gary Grambling, SI. He's the only guy that that picked against them, and that's why I said Steeler fans going to love him because he's and and I do like and we've talked about this. Yeah, I like dudes that make picks that are opposite. I mean, yeah, go it, against you know, the grain a little. Throw bit. against, throw it against the wall and see what happens. Picking the Steelers to go to the AFC title game over the Browns would be quite a flip flop, like that. I mean, that would be quite an amazing thing if if the team out of the north. The gets to the AFC title, if there is one out of the North, that it would be the black and gold and not A lot of people Browns. have been
4: rolling with the Brownies yeah. for sure, man. And, and look, what he said about that defense, I'm okay yeah. with it. And I think if we had some real Browns fans that were honest about that unit, they don't really know with all the new faces back mm-hmm. there. It looks good on paper, but you do have some young guys on the back end and guys coming over from the yeah. Rams and all that. So... Look, I'm not expecting them to slow down Kansas City, but that's what we want to see along the way. is just
3: that unit get better week in and week out, and I think they have the talent to do that. So they'll get tested in the first a couple times in the first, you know, before they're by with Mahomes on the road. Uh, probably a decent atmosphere in Minnesota on the road. Mm-hmm. Decent atmosphere. Um, Herbert on the road. And Kyler Murray in Cleveland. That week three is that week three the Chargers you said uh, five and six five and six okay that's going to be a come back from the West Coast to play Arizona that'll be fun Baker and Herbert going at it and so you know their bye week isn't till week thirteen so if they if they look good that secondary and that defense against those three quarterbacks and those three offenses. You know, with Mahomes, Herbert, and I'll even throw in Arizona, but it'll be in Cleveland, but especially the road ones. Yeah. Those are two AFC teams, Mm -hmm. one absolute chalk in Kansas City on the road to start the year at Arrowhead, and Los Angeles, the upstart Chargers, new O line, Herbert and those weapons out there. (laughs) Yeah. Now all of a sudden, see, those are the two big measuring sticks for me. No question. And that's what we look for. And that'll be the first five weeks. Yep. Yep. We'll come back. Play Over Under next. Rothman and Ice on the fans.
2: News, opinions, and insight. All before breakfast. Rise and shine with morning juice.
1: Weekdays starting at 6.
2: The Fan. Ohio's sports destination. Rothman and Ice presents. present Overs and Unders.
5: Over, under, under, done.
2: All Go ahead, right.
5: Jim. Our slate this week is football heavy. It's good to say that because we're going to start off with the game tomorrow. Ohio State, Oregon. The game total is 64 points.
4: I'm going to go over in this, and I'm going to go over and say that I think the Buckeyes got a good shot to eat up a lot of those points. So I'm going to roll with the over in this. I think Olave and company, not going to shock anybody, are going to get up and down the field the way they do every single week. And, uh, yeah, I think the Buckeyes take up a large majority of that over for me.
3: Boy, I, you know, this is interesting. It's, it doesn't seem like a, a monster number, but it, it, it's big enough. I'll give you a trend. The under is 10-2 and two in the Ducks' last dozen games as a road dog. Mm. And so for that reason, and then I know they're going to be better. I, you and I talked. They're going to be better than we were against Fresno State. Yeah. But they averaged only three plays of 20-plus yards mm. or more against Fresno State. No chunk plays, now, huh? If Ohio State, like you said, can eat up a lot of that 64, if Ohio State can get into the 40s, mm-hmm. Then I think you got a shot, but if I'm kind of in that just a sneak peek, a little bit of a 38 oh 24 area, geez. Nah, you know we'll see. Okay. It's not, it's not. You, it's, you can know, change your mind. Yeah, um, I'm going to play the under. Hate to do it. Always love rooting for points. Yep. but I agree with you. If Ohio State gets the chunk of that, Oregon has tougher time scoring against Ohio State. Maybe they try to eat up a little more of the clock. Yep. Although Minnesota tried to do that too, and that thing went over. That, by the way, that looked like it was going to go under all night <laughs> until it didn't. Right, right. So, reluctantly, give me the under.
5: All right, next up, let's do a Michigan team total. They'll face Washington Saturday night. Their over/under for their total is twenty-eight and a half points.
3: Well, it doesn't sound like a lot, right? But it's maybe enough. No Bell now; he's out. Yeah, Ronnie um, B. There's yeah. another team that you think is going to play a lot, should play a lot better in Washington. Right. You said twenty-eight and a half. Give me the under. I think it'll be a competitive game. I think, you know, Michigan might score 28, but we we'll still get the dub on the in the cash. Yeah, I have to go over on this okay. just because Washington was so awful I last know. week throwing up but
4: seven points against Montana. I mean, be what is that? Though. What's that? Gotta be better. I agree. You're I, not
3: giving them the same organ tree that
4: Oh, I think, no, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think they're going to have a much better outing. So I think that point total, I'm going to take the okay. over in this game. But um, it's
3: Michigan's points only. 28 and a half that's correct yes it's not the over for the game um boy didn't me i just wanted
5: you to have all no, the information no, thank you, thank you. At i hand.
4: appreciate that because yeah. i was doing both teams yeah. combined there i am going to go under no give me the over all screw right. it. it's the weekend
5: <laughs> all right our third one mike jones mac jones he's gonna get his my start how you doing mike what do you say bill no, you guys are doing two different things yes, there. doing two different things. He's
4: doing who, Mike Jones? I don't know what you're doing, but somebody got it. Somebody yeah, got what it. What are you but, uh, doing? He's doing who, Mike
3: Jones? Oh, I was doing something. I was doing
4: something. That's
1: like, right, tough guy. Yeah. <laughs> What's
3: going
5: on, Mike? What do you say, Bill? All right, but Ma- Ma- Mac is going to get his debut this weekend. He'll face the Dolphins. His over-under for pass attempts is 28 and a half. I can't, mm-hmm. I
4: can't see this going over.
5: Because oh. here's the
4: thing.
3: Oh.
5: I don't think they're going to get be
4: be getting blown out by Miami. And Bills not going to allow a rookie I don't think to throw it everywhere. I think we see a nice combination of their running backs that group with Damon Harrison and Ramondre Stevenson and JJ Taylor like James White. Like they got so many running backs. I think that's going to be the game plan. I think this game will be a pretty tight game. So I'll go under on those pass attempts.
3: I'm going to go under two. I'll join you in those waters. I mean, I think you could get 250 yards passing, but I don't think it's going to come on 29 pass completions. Yeah. So give me the under. Or attempts. I'm sorry,
5: attempts. And not we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll start with our final one. It's going to be Justin Jefferson. His receiving yards total versus Cincinnati. It's going to be 79 and a half.
4: Over. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty Over. easy, right? Like I know Over. Trey
5: Wayne's isn't there, but even
4: if Trey Wayne's was playing in this game justin jefferson's one of the oh. baddest dudes walking the planet last year 15.9 a catch eight and average 79 yards last over. year
3: i'm with you big dog let's go over seven for 90 with a touch Ooh. move along move along all right that's it no temp
5: we can do it if you want Squeeze it in real quick you over. got it it's man over under 88 and a half
3: over we get it sunday oh you already you looking at your phone yeah aren't i allowed to I don't
5: think Am so. Am I supposed to just
4: guess? Hey, oh my. CB, Wait, I think we may
3: have just caught him. No, we've, we've been, been doing, doing this whoa, for whoa, a whoa, year. Whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. You get, guys, this isn't this isn't like some magic show. Like he's asking us to predict the temperature. No. And you're not allowed to peek at the forecast. I think
4: I got to throw a flag on the field flag? there. What are you? Are you I, kidding I me? I think I got to throw a flag on the field right now. Wait, you were just plucking these temps out of out of midair. I've just been guessing. He his number. I've just been guessing where
3: it goes. No, no. But even even if the forecast is for like 88 degrees, and that's what he puts at the over/under, yeah. he's setting the line. You you still have to decide whether you're going to go yeah. over that so number just, or under. I'm just guessing. You got a cheat sheet, big though. No, no. That's unbelievable. I did not think I was cheating by just glance, <laughs> glance Armstrong at the phone to see what the big man is predicting. So where are you going? It says 89. Morning. So Come with me. I either going have to trust mm. Dr. Waldo, who's ever <coughs> doing this, or me.
4: Where is Waldo?
3: Yeah. All right. You still love that. I'm going over. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah, I man. did not know that was illegal. No. If it is, I'll 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 adjust. Yeah, look, now,
4: now you're just in first right. and 20. That's it. You're in first and 20 now instead of first and 10. I had to throw a flag
3: on the play. That's it. You're right. good now. I mean, look at all sorts of things online, Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> we'll come back. Sports Center update. Mm-hmm. Top of the hour. We'll dive into the Brownies and Bengals next. Rothman and Ice on the Fan. Whatever you're doing right now,
2: just know that Bo Bishop is enjoying a sip of bourbon, even if this promo is playing in the morning. No judgment. Oh, sweet morning drinking. The Fan. Get- Two guys who love a good fantasy draft. You're listening to Rothman and Ice.
3: Second hour of the program, Rothman and Ice. Brought to you by your local Pella window and door showroom on Gemini Parkway. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice-Hayes, and CB. I remember back in 09 when USC came to town and I was working for the TV station and we went and covered USC. It was practicing in Dublin. Mm. I think it's Scioto. And... I guess the word is that uh, they're up there at Selby in Delaware, the ducks. The ducks, they quack quacking up yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. You right. Find something remote, quiet. Yeah, man. And Some nice facilities absolutely. around our city. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Iowa Wesleyan, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so now, as far as the tickets go, um, I mentioned to you, first of all, 160 bucks to sit in the top 10 rows. I get it, right? There are a lot of factors here that are involved. Right. There's a psychology of Ohio State being able to call it a sellout, and their fans being able to call it a sellout. It's a big opponent. You're bringing a big branded football program in for the West Coast. You didn't get to go there last year. And so I get it. And I, and I would think that they could comp some of these out. They could – people that give a lot of money, um, advertising, whatever, so – Maybe they will be able to call it a sellout, and like CB said earlier, it's not butts in the seats don't matter. It's did you sell them all or did you give them all away? Right. It's going to look just dandy in person and on TV. Right. But 160 plus fees to sit in some of the top rows of C I mean, maybe.
4: Yeah. And maybe I think for some folks, look, I understand what if people don't want to spend that amount of money for that seat. I understand people that aren't fully comfortable just yet being in large crowds. Like you said, there's a, a lot of factors that are going into this. I'm surprised that the amount of care surrounding this topic has been this high this week. Cause for me, it's a nothing. The two, if the two teams are out there
3: playing, that's all I care about. So there's a lot, that's a lot going on. And you, you named a few of the, of the deal. One COVID certainly. Yeah. And the cost is exorbitant. You've got, you mentioned your at-home experience and how much you love it. How oh, a lot of people love it. Um, the other thing about actually going to a game—it's not easy for a lot of folks. It's parking. It's walking. It's getting there early enough. Uh, it's traffic. It's there's there's a hassle factor no that you have to be willing to endure.
5: Yeah.
3: Um, I, the noon start is fine. The weather will be great. I don't. That's actually a good start. I don't think that would affect it. Uh, Ohio State's a fairly big favorite, but that's always good to go to a game sometimes where, where it's a big branded team and you feel like your team's going to win. So that's good. You always feel like they're going to win in the shoe. Um, then you have the other factor, which I don't know if a lot of people remember or know about, which is no paper tickets anymore, right? No physical ticket. Yeah. And so there's a lot of the mobile-only situation that is a little dicey for some folks, and right. this has always been a generation spanning program of tradition. I've said it on the program many times, like eight to eighty, and I'm pro- and that's just the, the book. That's it goes mm-hmm. beyond that too, right, right? It goes under eight and over eighty. <laughs> what do, but I, so, so it just we, sounds better when I say eight to what, eighty. What do we get over there? Newborn babies wrapped up in uh, Ohio State stuff as soon as they come out. All the All right, wolf. let me change it. Uh, <laughs> Would I go nine to ninety? Would I go on the high side? I thought you, you were. I, gonna,
4: go- I thought you were going to go like twelve hours to ninety, <laughs> like fresh out the womb. They're
3: wrapping them up over yeah. there, just and delivering all all stuff. I, maybe there's a bit of baby that's been delivered in the tailgate. I don't know. Right? Uh, oh my goodness! Right?
4: Look, man, tomorrow's going to be. That's not that. beer. Someone's water broke. See that? See that? It's a little aggressive for me. It's, <laughs> it's a Friday. It is a Freaky Friday. You're right. It is a Freaky Friday. It's all in play I today. Mean, you're, but, Maddie,
3: you're Maddie. Hey, let's get weird, Ice Man. See uh,
4: the uh, let's get weird part. That can go a lot it's of different one of the directions. great quotes of all
3: time. It Maddie go, walks into a party, not at his house. Just walks in and goes, "All right, let's, let's get let's weird." Get weird. Now, what does weird mean? Right. It can
4: mean a lot of different uh, definitions for a lot of different people. But tomorrow. Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't think we're coming in here Monday talking about the lack of an atmosphere over there tomorrow. It, it'll be rocking. Seven Nation Army is going to be jumping. The Buckeyes out there on the field will know that Buckeye Nation inside the shoe is fully behind them yeah. because it's going to be more than enough juice in that building tomorrow.
3: Seems like that there's a thought that it won't live. That There was so much hype for this game on the schedule, right? Oregon coming in, uh, beat them in the national championship game not that mm. long ago. Um, respect for the program and, yeah. and the guys that they have. And then, you know, the conference that Ohio State is carrying on their shoulders here and trying to, uh, you take a Pac 12 team to come in here. They don't usually pack 12 teams. And certainly USC, I mentioned that game in 09 that did not go Ohio State's way. And was it 09? Yeah, 09, I think. I'll have to go back. It's a long time ago. And, but Oregon having to come up with plays to take care of Fresno State in the fourth quarter, you can't, I mean, you can't discount the fact that that has led to a little bit of a more of a comfort feel for Ohio State. It I'm not, shouldn't. It, I, I it know what shouldn't. you're saying. but it, it
4: absolutely shouldn't, in my opinion. Because week one was weird, man. Like, it was weird. We saw teams... You know, in tight games with teams they probably shouldn't have been, and I, I'm just willing to give some teams a little bit of a pass Ooh. on what we saw a week ago. That's just where I'm at. Just because when you're coming out of the pandemic, coming out of the off season, who knows if you got young guys playing, older guys playing, new faces with all these transfers and everything that we've seen throughout this off season. Like I'm willing to give a team, okay, like you weren't at your best last week. We saw Ohio State; they weren't at their best in a half of a game. Then they come out and they turn things around. So, look, I'm with you on what. What we saw from Oregon last week, it wasn't great, but I'm just in the Mm -hmm. mindset of tomorrow, I think we get the real Oregon Ducks, a team that's going to come come out here fully ready to go. And when I say with or without Kayvon Thibodeau, what I mean by that is I still think this is a roster that is more talented than Minnesota. And when you have that, you can go a little bit, of toe-to-toe a little bit with Ohio State with your roster. Obviously, that's going to give you a better chance. But, yeah, without a top-five pick on the field, psychologically, where the, where are they and how that changes their game plan, uh, I'm sure is going to be pretty drastic. But they have enough talented guys out there that I don't think, just because he's gone, it's just going to be – a complete dud from them.
3: No, it changes the mindset for me in that what Oregon needed to do to try to stay in this game, I I don't believe Oregon comes in here with an offense that can go toe-to-toe with Ohio State. I think we all can believe that, other than they do have a couple nice running backs that are upperclassmen. They're not as good or better than Ohio State, I wouldn't think. Um, They're not monsters. Um, Verdell is the smaller, bigger back and die is the the average size back. Um, Anthony Brown is a quarterback that certainly can run. He's actually the biggest of all of them um, as far as his his physical sense. But if Oregon, I'll give I'll give him a couple things here. They seem to be a little bit off their normal characteristic of finesse mm-hmm. and 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 kind of that team yeah. spread finesse team where now they they feel maybe they can line it up a little bit mm-hmm. and and bang heads with you. So that's something. On the other side, if they don't have their beast, it just changes everything for me in that if Stroud has time, I mean, the thing that, that Oregon had to do defensively is somehow limit his time to be able to pick out his great receivers that have all those yards after the catch. Without him, the other, it's just going to put so much pressure on that defense to try to stay, to keep their offense in the game. And so that's the difference for me. And I don't think that's breaking news. I think that he is that big of a deal. Now, maybe he'll give it a shot. Uh, maybe a 90% cave on Thibodeau is better than uh, a hundred percent of a lot of other people. You're probably
4: right about that. Uh, You're probably right about that. So like if he's out there, Ar, and let's say he was healthy coming into this game, I I would have been saying, well, I think the quick strikes would would be big for, you know, you talk about that wide receiver core and you talk about CJ Stroud is getting the ball out quick, not allowing him to really get his pass rush cranked up now without him that's going to open things up more and probably allow a Chris Olave who's a deep ball specialist and a Garrett Wilson who can get you know to the paint in the blink of an eye those guys have been so explosive throughout their careers that probably opens that up a little bit more because when you have a Kayvon Thibodeau coming to hunt you on third and six and he knows you got to throw the rock and you got a pretty uh, a nice amount of yardage to get the change to move that's a different dynamic. But if he's out there tomorrow, I'm sure, and obviously Coach Day, they, they know how to operate around these type of guys. We've seen really good quarterbacks do this and really good coaching staff do that is that you got an elite pass rusher, get the ball out quick and, and you can put a Garrett Wilson in the slot or, you know, throw a little bubble screen out to Olave or a quick slant. There's other ways to work around it. That way he is not in full downhill mode all the time, but we just don't know what we're getting at, at all when it comes to Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm sure it'll go right up until kickoff tomorrow.
3: Uh, we've got a huge game, certainly this Sunday, with the Browns at Kansas City, 425. And we'll get to that game when we come back. We'll talk some more NFL. Um, I'm surprised CB hasn't weighed in with another breaking injury, perhaps, for your team. Oh, the, the, the first
4: was- The first name that popped up on my phone yesterday was CB. The first name. Mm. Not my dad, not doing my a, friends, is he doing not a you. wellness
5: check. No, I apologize no. for speaking Le'Veon Bell into existence. So what he did was,
4: I get a text from CB, and okay. then as I'm texting CB back, I get an alert from our fantasy team that CB's making moves and picking up Le'Veon Bell. In the league, and the way he's chuckling right now is exactly how he was chuckling yesterday when all this awful news w- kept happening for my team.
3: There was a lot of movement on our waiver wire here at the fan. I'm I'm guilty of one of them. Now, I was late to the party as far as Bell, but I did. I had a spot where I could kind of throw a dart at Devontae Freeman and see if he could get in the mix. Um, I, I don't know if he will. He's got certainly the veteran feel about yeah. him, and but your backfield is going to be led by one man and one man only. Um, they'll hand the ball up, at Lamar, Mr. Jackson, if you're nasty. Um, I will say this. You and I predicted our MVPs the other day. If, and this is a big if, if the Baltimore Ravens win the North, Lamar's going to have to have a monster year as expected. Don't discount. I even looked up the odds of him actually winning MVP mm-hmm. if they win the North. The narrative's going to be there. The narrative the push will be carried a long, the, def- the definition, right? Of but MVP. he's got to
4: deliver the stats, like you're saying too. And look, here's where we, where we are now. You know, they they bring in Latavius Murray, so it's yeah. a whole bunch of OGs and young Tyson Williams back there with Le'Veon, Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray. A. R. If I had to guess, mm-hmm. I think we're going to get to the majority of the season and be talking about Latavius Murray as the RB1 for Baltimore like who knows Mm -hmm. you and I were talking on the phone yesterday when all this stuff was going down and I said I don't know man what this looks like in week one but that wasn't with Latavius in the mix now so I think when you look at what he had last year I think he was right around 600 yards and a handful of touchdowns so he can be a productive guy can he be the horse I don't know so it's uh, definitely a question with what they're going to be bringing there I'm just interested to see is can they do a little bit of what San Francisco has been able to do? Meaning, we've seen running back after running back after running back year in and year out for San Francisco and they've still been one of the elite uh, running teams in the league. I think there's going to be some of that there. I don't think their rushing attack completely falls off the cliff. I still think they're going to be one of the better rushing attacks. Now, it's just the guys you're relying on. The OGs. What do they have left in the tank? And I think it's safe to say, probably not a ton. But you bring Latavius Murray in the mix, that looks a lot better than
3: than what it did yesterday around four o'clock. The you could almost live with it if these were football injuries during games. That's part of it. Yeah. But to look up on your mash unit and see ACL, ACL, ACL Achilles. and to know that they didn't happen in a game I know, that's is is just Really? It's a sport though. Regular man. season rushing yards for Lamar Jackson over or under 945 and a half. I'm going over now. Yeah.
4: Easy. He's been a 1000 every, yeah. every year and I think that's absolutely safe there. And I'm being completely honest when I say this. The Marcus Peters injury to me is a bigger deal than what's happening yeah. with the running backs because now you take a hit there on the back end and they still got one of the better corners in Marlon Humphrey on the back end, but Marcus Peters has been a dude that can, you know, take the ball away, which is very important. So uh, it's a hit and look, Browns fans are feeling great about this and even Steeler fans are feeling great about this and they should because this is a window of opportunity for them. But, you know, you still have your franchise quarterback. You still have uh, some really good defenders on the defensive side of the ball, even without them. So I don't think this is the end of the Baltimore Ravens season. And I'm not just saying that because that's my team. You know I like to be objective about these things. I still think they're going to be a solid team. But all the pressure in the world is now on CB's team. Because if they don't get this thing done with Baltimore Ravens having the, the hits that they're having, then we're going to be having some real conversations later in the year. So it's all fun right now. But the pressure is all on the Brownies to really get this thing done even more so.
3: And they won't play an AFC North opponent until Week 8. So it'll all be in the middle to the back half Mm -hmm. as far as the division. We'll come back. We'll talk about those Brownies next. Rothman and Ice on The Fan.
2: Always imitated, never duplicated. Your heritage sports talker and flagship home for Ohio State Athletics. The Fan, Ohio sports destination joggers or sweatpants either way one size fits all this is Rothman and Ice
4: you can join the fan for the ozone tailgate on lane for the best game day tailgate in town catch the pregame show with myself and the former Buckeye Tyvis Powell. listen to live music and watch the game if you're not headed inside be sure to bring cash For your favorite tailgate refreshments, the Ozone Tailgate on Lane is sponsored by TNT Equipment, Capital City, Concrete, Pepsi Zero, and Corona. We will see you tomorrow.
3: All right, so we get the Brownies and Chiefs on Sunday. Can't wait, Uh, man. I I know this is is one of those that you've been looking forward to uh, the entire offseason. Yeah. Um, It's got everything. It's got the upstart Browns. It's got the Chiefs. It's got them at home. It's got fans in the stands. It's got belief in Cleveland. You can look at it both ways. That Cleveland is not going to be intimidated going in there. No. They've certainly been there. They feel like they had a chance to take them out when it counted in the playoffs. Didn't do it. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, not really revenge. You just want to get your season off to a great start, and it's the ultimate measuring stick. You couldn't pick another game for them that would be better to start the year as far as finding out who we are week one. Yep. Um, <clears throat> we know who they are. We know they can line it up and run it with that front seven and Nick and the hot Chub time machine and Kareem Hunt. Like that's to me. Um, and I know that I'm, I'm I'm not trying to be super elementary here. Uh, I know that the Browns are not afraid they're not intimidated, and that's why they will take their shots. Of course they will. They'll have to. Um, do I feel like the predominant game plan would be to try to get physical with them? Absolutely. Why wouldn't it? They, the Chiefs don't have a ton of depth at linebacker. We know that uh, Jones and Reed, you know, rush the passer more than want to bang heads and, and tackle dudes in the run. So it would make sense for the Browns to try to out physical them. Doesn't mean you can win doing that one way. I get that. The, the good news for Cleveland is they don't come into a team, they don't come into this game, Maddie, thinking that they're so much, that they're lesser. So we got to take chances. I think they come into the game thinking we got to take chances because we can and because we have to because of, of, uh, of Patrick Mahomes and company. But it doesn't, it's not a feel of, throwing caution to the wind and knowing we can't beat them at their at at, at this you know what i'm saying it's more of no we the browns can take are good shots they're more yeah. than
4: they're they're more than good enough uh, to to beat Kansas City they're more than good enough to beat anybody on any given sunday that's how highly i think of this year's browns team just real quick wanted to update the health of some of these mm. guys just came down just a few minutes ago your questionable list for for Cleveland Odell Clowney, Delpit, Ronnie Harrison, and center JC Treader. So just something to monitor over the next couple of days, but I'm all about the trenches. And that's where I'm going to be headed tomorrow is to see this new look offensive line or Sunday, I should say, uh, this new look offensive line for Kansas City. Which was a major problem for them in the Super Bowl. And we saw how Tampa Bay got after them. But what type of pressure up front outside of Miles Garrett can we get? Like, I know Miles Garrett is going to be making some noise and creating some static up front. He's just that good. But Malik Jackson. What is he going to do along that uh, defensive line? Jadavion Clowney, cannot wait to see what that looks like. Like That's where it is for Cleveland. is Can they walk out of Arrowhead Sunday night feeling really good about their defense? Their offense is going to be there all year long. Now, the Odell thing, that's going to be fun to see on Sunday, how he's sprinkled in, if he can go, because you didn't have him in that game last season. And I absolutely think in these type of games against this caliber of a squad, He can be an X-factor in this, so that's very exciting. I think if you're a Browns fan is you have that great rushing attack that you highlighted which is going to be able to get after anybody in my opinion because you got one of the better offensive lines in the league but that's it is that balance and that play action we we know we're going to see from uh, Stefanski and Baker getting Baker out of the pocket rolling him out so he gets a clean look at things that's going to be there but 13 and his impact and his his presence alone even if you aren't throwing him the rock a ton is a major factor but Defensively, the Browns, they walk out of this game feeling good about themselves. Like that's a major win, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because that offense is gonna be one of the best in the league.
3: Well, and to feel good coming out defensively, somehow they're going to Ward and company are going to have to somehow control Reek the Freak. Oh, that's because that's an A one matchup, man. I'm telling you, he he roasted them He's a problem. last year. He's a problem. And he and here's the bigger problem. Yeah. It may be more in the containing Mahomes and because when the freak, I mean, yeah, he can beat you straight up, but it seems like a lot of the ad-lib plays, a lot of those breaking contained with Mahomes, yeah. now defenses have to respect that and they break out of their coverage and that's when the freak can get the loose. Freaks and the freak's come the, out the, at night. Yeah, the cheetah is, the is, freaks is uh, come out at night. He's the real deal. I'd have to go back and look at at what he got them for last year. In 87. Yeah, that you know it 10 yeah. and 87 yeah, I him on yet.
4: every single snap yeah. where are they uh and, and how are they dictating their coverage to those guys right and especially when you talk about the new chess piece that they have mm-hmm. and jeremiah wusu karamoa young jock like what type of impact can he make in this game as a guy that you could move around and maybe put him in the slot every once in a while to guard travis kelsey travis kelsey's a freak show out there he's gonna get his but that's it. Is That that guy right there, I think, is going to be such an important piece for their defense. And, and also, real quick, when Kansas City gets down in the red zone and in that goal line, they throw a lot of funky things at you with Kelsey kind of staying back and Mahomes will pitch it. They'll give you a whole bunch of looks with Hardman in the backfield and all that. So how disciplined the Browns can be in the red zone and up against that goal line where Mahomes and Andy Reid really get creative uh, is going to be
3: fun to see. Said it a couple months ago. And it feels like it's it's house money right now for Cleveland. Not in that you can lose the game and feel good about yourselves. It's not. It's just there's just you can spin it any way you want outside of getting blown out. That's it. You get blown out, trouble. Play it close, and you're like, okay, that's the measuring stick. We go back to work. Hopefully, meet him again in the playoffs. Let's let's earn our keep. You beat them, and now all of a sudden the narrative, the, the narrative. Yes. Print exactly. them. Yeah, well, and that's that and that may be the biggest thing that Browns fan is afraid of. Printing the shirts? Yep. I'll say this. I'm telling you, you want to win this game, but it's what you just said, that if I'm a Browns fan, I'm actually most afraid of, is thinking that we go into Arrowhead, you beat them, you've arrived, you're now the team to beat in the AFC.
4: Let me throw this by you guys. The way Dallas feels this morning. Mm-hmm. If the Browns put out that type of showing, if this is a, hey, we did everything we could, we had a couple turnovers, Baker played well, but Mahomes ends up with the ball like the way Tom Brady had it last night, that's okay. What's not okay is 42-17, to that type of look, which I don't think is going to happen, but there is a, look, I'm not into moral dubs and all that stuff, but I'm with you, that the tighter they keep this game, and if it's a loss, that's a much
3: better feeling. It's moral. The moral dub is been put into this box of they can only mean one thing: that you're happy that you lost. That's garbage. Yeah. There are teams that can walk off a field knowing that you played your butts off, mm-hmm. but came up short, and now we got to work to get better so we don't come up short. That's a, what a moral victory is not that you're happy. I'm with it's you. That you feel a lot better than if you were blown out. And guess what? That's the feeling they had last year when their season ended against this exact yeah. team. Come back. College football picks going into the weekend. Rothman and Ice on the fan. The only radio show Ryan Day listens to when we're holding him
2: hostage, making him listen to a radio show. The Buckeye Show.
5: Weeknights at
3: six. The fan. Hello.
2: College football picks with Rothman and Ice.
5: All right, CB. Week two. Okay, I wasn't here for week one, but I got the results, and it looks like AR, you were hot. Went six and one Matt. Tough week, three and four.
3: Against the numbers, always tough. Can only go down from here. All right. Our first game of the week. It's going to be... Uh, was I supposed to care about my record? Is that... Oh, no.
4: You guys want a reaction from me? Because uh, I, I don't care. <laughs> Moving on. Right, week two. Our
5: first game. It's going to be the game day game. It's I'm Iowa. Two. Iowa yeah. okay. on the road at Iowa State. Iowa State's the four and a half point home
4: favorite. Iowa's defense showing up last week against your boys, man. Stuff <laughs> with Penix? Throwing in the Riley Moss. Two pick sixes. This is gonna be a fun well, game. Well, one man. went through a guy's hands. Yeah, I know. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I can't well, put I'm just that saying, one on. Riley him. Moss had two yeah. pick sixes. That, yeah. That's all I'm saying. This Iowa defense, going back to last year, has been really, really solid, man. And Iowa State, not a sexy game last week with as many guys as they brought back a year ago. That was absolutely a, a disappointment. So when you talk about Iowa and this defense, four point two yards per play, I'm mean, one in the country. I mean, it, it's lights out. But I'm gonna roll with Iowa State in this. At the crib, I am going to lay the points and roll with the Hawkeyes. Excuse me, the Cyclones.
3: They've been waiting for this for a while. Finally, a chance to turn the tide on on uh, the Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes have owned this series. Supposed to play last year, couldn't. This atmosphere in Ames, game day, Rocking. the whole deal. Yeah, man. they're going to be jacked. Both these defenses, you, both these teams can play D, as you said. They both like to run it. I'm having trouble with this number because it's a rivalry game. Yeah, and you would always take the points in a rivalry game. It's four and a half is a nice, it a is. pretty decent it is. number. I do think Iowa State will win the game. Come on, do but it. I have to take I win the uh, points. It's okay. I have to take I win the points here. Yeah. Uh, Petrus did not complete a lot of passes against IU. Uh, their defense took over, mm-hmm. but you have to believe. That this will be a close
5: game. And if so, I got to have the points. All right. Notre Dame's going to return home. You can only watch this game on Peacock. They're going to host Toledo. It looks like Notre Dame's a 17 point favorite. Probably the
4: right game to put on. Peacock, if we're being honest. Jack Cohen, man, really impressive yeah, last week. People w- dogging him left and right. With him throwing the ball up and down the field north of 360 and four touchdowns. What's going to be interesting is their rushing attack was slowed down last <laughs> week with Kyron Williams uh, not really having a great game. He's that absolute baller, and I think this can be a get right game in that category when it comes to the rushing. I think top to bottom, they're absolutely loaded. Uh, tight end for them, number 87, was going off. No, he had a couple drops, but that dude looked legit. I, I tell it's a hefty. Uh, spread there but i'll I'll lay them and roll with the irish
3: so they got to lay 17 and a half is that what you said against toledo 17 flat 17 flat rockets were red glare man when they beat norfolk state but and they're they're running now you know they're not just winging around everywhere first ever meeting with notre dame i think there's going to be some awe factor going into south bend yeah i don't think that's going to be that easy for them uh notre dame the season opening win they gutted it out and they've got to clean up some defense here with our guy Marcus Freeman to get to that championship level. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll get that defense right. He should get it right here. So yep. I'm with you. I will roll with the Irish and lay the 17.
5: All right, the Rutgers, Scarlet Knights heading on the road to Syracuse. Rutgers, the two-point favorite on the road. Rutgers favorite on the on the road. So they... they just
3: bombed Temple last week, <laughs> yeah, and Noah Vedral led them in rushing. So yeah, he can do it. He can throw it. Mm-hmm. Um, five takeaways. So they were great in the turnover margin. Uh, but that's what Rutgers does, yeah. man. They they find a way to take the ball away from you. Um, and so Syracuse, I think they pulled off a pretty good one last week. Am I right about that? Did they? I think they were on the road in Athens, Ohio. I believe. Yeah, didn't they? Yeah, they won That's that right. game. Yeah, they won. Yeah, right. they won that game. So I think that both these teams can run, mm-hmm. and but I just like Rutgers in this game. I know it's on the road. Yeah. but the number doesn't scare me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Scarlet Knights and lay that two two and a half too flat. I, you mentioned what their quarterback, Noah Vedra, mm-hmm. was able to do
4: and leading them in rushing as a team, though. I was impressed with their rushing attack, mm-hmm. 220 as a squad. And look, I know it's early on and all of that, but uh, that was nice. They had a pretty cool thing go down last week where the Melton brothers for Rutgers, one brother scored a touchdown offensively mm-hmm. and on the <laughs> next play, defensively, his brother had a pick six. So that was pretty cool that those guys go back-to-back with
5: touchdowns there. I'm, I'm with you. I'll lay them and roll with Shiana. All right, we have Illinois going on the road to Virginia. Virginia's the 10 and a half point home favorite. Boy, they've crashed back
3: to earth. That sound you heard was Bielema dropping back to earth. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got to have some concerns now. I, I don't even know if Brandon Peters is going to play in this game. Well, Sitkowski took over, did Oh, didn't yeah, he? Arthur Sitkowski. Former Rutgers quarterback. Yeah. Um, so they're coming off a bad loss against a lesser opponent after riding high with their Big Ten win over Nebraska. And so... Virginia can get physical with them. They've got a veteran quarterback, and they're they're laying ten in this game. There's a little bit of a bounce back factor you expect from Illinois here, yeah. like some from pride standpoint. Sure. Um, but I think things might get away from them too in this game. It ten's a rough number, man, because I do feel like the pride factor of them u- losing. That game last week could have something here, but it is on the road. Yeah. If it was a smaller number and Illinois was at home, I would feel the bounce back is there. But on the road, I'll actually take the Cavs and lay the points. When you look at their rushing
4: attack with Illinois, like where is that at right now? they got so many mm-hmm. dudes in that backfield trying to figure it out. And with Art Sikowski's he's, he's okay, he's fine, he's whatever. But, yeah, that quarterback change, uh, that, that's a dynamic you don't want right now because obviously he wasn't the guy that won the job. So I'll lay him and roll with the
5: Cavaliers as well. All right, we have the Holy War. It's BYU hosting Utah. Utah, the seven-point road huh. favorite. Utah's D-line I
4: like, man. I, I do like their D-line. It's, it's, it's big. Yeah, it's uh, that's yeah. where I was checking out. They got a solid D-line and all that stuff there. So Utah, man, look, they're running back Tavion Thompson, 8.9 a carry. Like, that was solid for them last week. BYU's always tough, man. They've always seemed like just a tough out. And you said it's at 7? I am going to I'm going
3: to take the points, but Utah's going to win the game. How many are we getting CB with BYU? you are getting 7 flat. <clears throat> We're getting 7. So they could hold up a little bit in this game. It feels like a home dog kind of a game. Yeah. And and I agree with you. I think Utah is the better team and wow, this is a tough one, man. 7 at home boy, you really want to buy that hook if you're really doing this for real. But um, I think I'm going to just go with the better team with that defensive front that you talked about. They've got Baylor's transfer quarterback, the Charlie Brewer. He yeah. wasn't great, but he was pretty good. Um, no, nah, I, I hate laying seven on the road in a, in a, in a rivalry type Take like them. that. Yeah,
5: no, give me, give me the Cougs plus the seven. And our final game real quick. It's Michigan hosting Washington. Michigan seven-point favorites. I mean... What does the Ronnie
4: Bell injury do to their offense? Look, Caden McNamara, I don't really know anything about him. He only threw the ball 11 times last week in their blowout. So that, I'm sure that's quite the remix for Josh Gaddis in that offense to lose that guy who not only was impactful on an every-down basis, but also on special teams where he unfortunately got hurt. So Washington, it was gross last week, right? It, it absolutely was. But I think both these teams have a tight game with maybe not a lot of points so i'll take them and roll with in washington but i think the wolverines get it done
3: i'm kind of with you on that there's no excuse for that loss that washington had yeah, i'm sure. sorry that yeah. that can't happen right. you can't lose the game and i don't think they scored much either like it was one of those where it was bad it was 13-7 it was, okay yeah, really that's bad. an absolute joke right and so they've got to be angry as as it gets i don't know if that's enough Anger is enough to get it done. And Cade McNamara didn't have to do a whole lot. Right. A couple nice passes. But you're right. Ronnie Bell out for the year with that knee injury. And and they're not gonna run it up on U dub the way they did on uh directional Michigan. So I would say that how many am I getting with uh seven. Getting seven. Um anger's enough. Gimme give, give me Washington in the seven. Real quick. Mm-hmm. Another
4: game that I think is fun, oh, completely yep. off a lot of people's radar in the HBCU world, former Buckeye, Eddie George, taking on Deion Sanders this week. So Tennessee oh. State and <laughs> Jackson State going at it, and Eddie on one sideline and Deion Sanders on another sideline as well. So uh, that's
3: going to be fun to see those guys getting after. Does it. Eddie have to call him Coach Sanders, <laughs> or can he call him Prime? Prime? Can he say Coach Prime? I think that's okay. which one did he not like? Did he not like being called Coach Prime? I think he wanted the coach in front okay. of it. All right, I don't think he was down with just Prime. I think is what it was. Yeah, and then he dropped. By the way, then he said that wouldn't happen to Nick Saban. And There's... did you did you hear Bryce Young after the game when Bama won? He said, "Well, you know, that's what Saban does." He he actually did not <laughs> say Coach Saban for his own coach. <laughs> did you hear it? Yes, I heard it Oh my goodness, incredible. All right, we'll come back. We got Tim May up next in the bulletin. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
2: Constantly interrupting valuable airtime to sell three dollar stickers. What a business plan. The fan, Ohio Sports Destination. Rothman and Ice present.
1: Guy sponsored by logan ac and heat services feeling the heat call the experts at logan services now for hot deals on train systems including zero percent apr for 60 months he's
3: crafty he's grizzled he's the veteran beat reporter for ohio state with letterman row and if you haven't heard he got a podcast his name is tim may good to have you my friend
6: Good to be on with you,
3: Anthony paddle shift Rossman. Abs- oh yes. Could always shift faster with the paddles. I don't I mean I told Maddie I had an old uh, I learned how to drive on stick which you know most of us old dudes it. did, but uh heel toe sure. that thing and uh, you're good to go. But boy, those paddle shifters. That can make you feel like a pro. Ohio State has a kind of a paddle shift offense, but before we get to yep. them, let me ask you if you've heard anything inside related about Seven Banks, Cam Brown, Proctor Will they be available and play Saturday? You
6: know what's really funny about that is that I was trying to find out things uh, even before I came on the air here, and I've heard nothing definitive. Okay. Uh and That doesn't mean I won't by the time 8.30 rolls around in the morning and we're out there.
3: Mm-hmm. We're already
6: doing a tailgate show, right? Darn uh, right, man, 8.30 a.m. We're out there in front of St. John, uh, you know, but – uh really interesting because you know I don't know if you watched uh, listen to the lightning round with uh, Brian David. I tried to ask him that question a couple different ways twice yesterday, you know, and he's <laughs> he's not uh, giving up any inside beans. Uh, I'm hearing what I'm what I'm sort of hearing is that uh, Proctor might not have been as bad as it looked, but you never know. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, and I think uh, he could be a, a game time kind of deal. And Seven Banks was a surprise, even though he made the trip didn't you know didn't make the starting lineup last week uh he's been dealing with something throughout preseason camp i guess uh and then cam brown you know always had my always had doubts about him from the standpoint of coming back from that Achilles and uh when he when he got the practice in preseason you know even a couple times we got to watch i mean he was outstanding but then there were other times when he was held out from a pitch count standpoint and then of course uh wasn't even on the uh didn't make the trip last week or at least you know wasn't active so uh i would think all those guys have a possibility of playing though to be honest with you all
4: right Tim, May, you got to look at that running back group last week uh up in minnesota if i put you in coach day's shoes for snap number one who should uh be the first running back out there if you're running the show
6: personally i would go with the guy who started the game last week mayan williams i mean that would be number one, and then number two would probably be Travion Henderson based on the way things went, based on the fact that he impressed even my wife uh, with with that burst he showed there on that little uh, wide screen. Uh, I think uh, that would, as I've told you guys before, it, it helps when everybody in the world sees what you think you see. Then there's no doubt about it. I'm talking about not just the fans watching live or on television or the sports writers or uh, the assistant coaches, even the team, kind of sees what's up, you know. And I think uh, that kind of became clear to a lot of people, probably who the first two backs off the off, uh, you know, into the game should be. Uh, I think you agree, right?
3: No doubt. Yeah. No, they're, they're they're gonna play.
6: They're gonna play two guys at least. I mean, that's gonna happen. So, you know, this isn't the Herschel Walker, Archie Griffin days.
3: All right, Tim. Let me ask you about Stroud. He got the first game under his belt. Great comeback. Made some really good throws in the second half. Um, a game where he had to face adversity, had to bring his team back, had hit some throws, struggled early, uh, said he had some nerves he had to shake off. Now you come back into the shoe, first game starting the shoe, home crowd is back. It's a different kind of pressure, right? It's You feel the security of the home crowd, but um, maybe give me your take on how you feel the first game will differ from this game for C.J. Stroud.
6: Like the uh, first half different from the second half last week when he got his feet under him, and by that, I mean, you know, properly throwing the football. you got to get your feet under you, but there are all kinds of uh, uh, definitions of getting your feet under you. I thought he did a great job of getting himself together. Uh, I just can't believe uh, that there were so many people calling for him after struggling in that first half. And he did struggle at times, uh, clamoring to now let a First-year freshman, Kyle McCord, go in and let him struggle in the second half to get his feet under him. You know, you never know how a guy's going to respond, but you follow my drift. Once C.J. Stroud had a half under him, he was a different man, five out of eight for 236 yards and four touchdowns. I've never seen – I was just telling the Agonis Club this a minute ago, I've never seen a quarterback – and I've been covering high state football, Was this, my 38th, 39th season – never seen a quarterback in his first start uh, have that great a second half, and I don't because it's never happened. And I'm talking about his first start, so it would have been such a folly to pull him after that first half. But I expect him to play well uh, tomorrow because he realizes, like I equated it, I, Anthony. We're always talking about sports cars, right? Now he knows where all the buttons are <laughs> uh, in that in that Ferrari, and he knows how the gear shifter works. And the gear shifter includes giving the ball those two talented running backs and for goodness sakes, get the ball to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson with a chance to do something. He definitely did that, and, uh you know, it's, uh I don't know, the ceiling is high. Let me put it that way.
4: All right, Tim May, we've been doing this for years, right around this time. When the fine folks of Buckeye Nation wake up, head over to Letterman Road to check out what you have to say about this game. What will your headline read?
6: I'm pausing for dramatic effect. Yeah,
3: we like that. The hush falls over the crowd.
6: Stroud, Stroud, silver bullets rise from the blind, comma, bring down ducks on the wing. Okay. All right, for the first one of the year, I'm not mad I at want that, to say Tim. Shoot. I know. What do you mean, not mad at that? That's really good. I like it. That's I what, want I want what I kid. meant. It's what, they I like want it. to it's it. what the kids, shoot. it's a, it's a compliment, shoot, Tim.
3: Yeah, I don't want to
6: say shoot. I would say shoot. 20 years ago, I would have said shoot. But uh, I said bring down ducks on the wing. No, Tim, just to... from uh... the blind. Does many ice know that you... You, you you hunt for ducks from a duck blind. Does he know that? No, I, mean, I'm
4: trying I, to, I didn't know that. He's a and, friend of the animals. But I also want well, you to, you do. I want you to know you. that when you hear a millennial say, I'm not mad at it, that's actually right. a compliment. Right. Oh, it is? So, yeah, oh, so, so I'm either. with got, you. Yeah, that's all it was. I
6: got two sons that are millennials. I should know all that, but I hardly <laughs> ever listen to them. So. <laughs> all right,
3: my man. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon bright and early at the shoe in our normal spot in between St. John and the Rotunda, be there.
6: I am so much looking forward yeah. to it. By the way, y'all asked me about Kevon Thibodeau and, uh, you know, the flow kid. Uh, you know, Thibodeau thinks it's going to be a game-time decision. And, I'm you know, it sounds to me like just the flow is good to go, you know, from their side. So, yeah. we'll see.
3: Well, we're going to have an Oregonian on later in the show. So, hopefully he'll have an inside feel on, on his dude mr tibbs you got it all right thanks Not Much
6: information coming from head coaches anymore if you know you follow my no, drift absolutely right, We you.
3: follow it we follow that drift i'm drifting right behind you big guy in the s curves all right we'll come back sports center update top of the hour deep dive next rothman and ice on the fan
2: Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and I feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive.
1: Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF's low price lock with U-Drive.
3: All right, monster game tomorrow. Ohio State welcomes back their fans. Start 1-0. Now you get a chance to go 2-0. and uh, They've averaged 50 points a game since Ryan Day has taken over. Mm. Maybe just under. 49-8, I that think. That sounds fun. Undefeated against Oregon Lifetime with 9-0. and Yes, sir. Never lost to them. Ohio State's 14-and-a-half point favorite last time I checked. And you get a rematch of some big games. The 2010 Rose Bowl, the 2015 National Championship, and now you get them in the horseshoe. And so it's got a couple of nice brands here. Certainly Ohio State, the biggest of the two, and they're coming into your place. Uh, I talked about the C.J. Stroud effect and how cool it was to see him be able to arrive in a moment in week one where he had to be great. He did. And however he got there was part of his evolution, which is that his team was down and Minnesota was there to win, Mm -hmm. not just to make it a good game. And so his team was down in the third quarter twice. He had to bring them back. He had to hold on to a make good decisions when they were only up in a single-score game in the fourth, where if the ball bounces wrong one way, or if he throws a pick again, then suddenly you have an underdog thinking that we're going to get him. Destiny is ours tonight. And Ohio State made sure the destiny was not Minnesota's. Now you come back. Oregon barely gets past Fresno State. And it's a game that they had to make plays in the fourth quarter to pull it out. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that similar to Ohio State? It's similar in that you had to make plays in the fourth quarter to win, except Oregon was at home against what I believe, and who knows, Fresno State may be sneaky good like Minnesota. And might real be quick, sneaky
4: good. who knows how the rest but, of that
3: game looks against Minnesota if Mo Ibrahim doesn't get hurt. It's huge, Matty. He had 30 carries after three quarters. Yeah, He was going to get it eight to ten more times, probably, Easy depending on problem. what possessions right. they were going to have. Right. And so they were going to ride him, hopefully, to pulling off the upset for them. They didn't. Mm-hmm. But the Stroud effect, and I was talking about this earlier, there is a a comfort in coming home, but there is an inherent pressure that even though you have the, everything going for you yeah. at home, the crowd, the confidence, playing against a team, a brand, a program you've never lost to, yeah. you've beat them in big games, they have a confidence that they're still looking for. It's not like Oregon's coming in with confidence. They're not. They're trying to tap into something of of pride that we know we're better than this. Then on top of it, which I've buried the lead, is that their best player may not play. And even if he does play, he may not be as effective. It's all kind of slanted towards Ohio State. You have to be in protection mode of that. I think they will because of who they're playing and what that team can be. Oregon... As you said earlier in the first segment of the show, they got dudes. Mm -hmm. They may not have their biggest, baddest dude. But they got dudes. But they got enough. Now, they've got enough to play some physical football. I don't believe they have. Their quarterback can get loose with his legs. They might be able to run the ball. They may be able to take some possessions away from Ohio State, which is what everyone's dream is, to try to not give Stroud and those weapons like a million chances a game. Right, limit them, yeah. Limit them. And then... Take your chances and try to get some turnovers and see if you can't uh, put pressure on the home team the way Minnesota put pressure on the road team last week. All that being said, I'd feel differently about this if Oregon blew out Fresno State and was coming in with confidence. Oregon is only coming in with, I don't, and it's not a, like a just keep swinging attitude like Ohio State has. Maybe they do. It's one of those um, games that the spread seems about right. At 14 and a half. Yet, you just can't can't get too comfortable. You've warned us about that. And I don't think Buckeye fan is. I just think they feel really good about this game, this place. Yeah, Fans finally back, and it should be rocking.
4: So, absolutely, I'm with you on the atmosphere. W- what I can't wait to see is the adjustments Ohio State's defense will try to make as far as going up against a rushing attack right because Oregon saw that on film and i'm sure that's been a big thing for them is to try to find creative ways to carve up this defense with the with the rushing attack the way that they that minnesota did for a large chunk of that game a week ago and i think a big thing for me that i'm definitely going to be keeping track of is when we get to third down how many of those does Brown pick up for them? Because that's a factor that we didn't have to talk about last week when you had Tanner Morgan, who is not the same style of quarterback that we're going to be dealing with uh, tomorrow afternoon. And that's a guy you have to be aware of. And we talked about tackling this week and Kerry Combs has talked about it. Those guys, you got to get that guy down because that's what can keep the game alive for them and continue to allow them to feel like they're going to be able to get this thing done and do what you talk about, which is limit possessions for this explosive offense. But that puts pressure on the offense to get it done in those limited possessions. So that's it for me is that this Ohio State rushing uh, this rush defense that they're going to throw out there. Have they made adjustments? Is it going to look a lot better than what it did last week? And I know the secondary may have some guys back, may not have some guys back. Seems like we're going to be in the dark on that until close to kickoff. So that's it for me is that they have a quarterback that's bringing an element to the game that we didn't see last week. And now when you talk about who's calling the plays for them and Joe Moorhead, who was in Penn State for a couple of years or for a short amount of time as their offensive coordinator, I'm sure Coach Day and their staff have looked at some of the things that he did when he was at Penn State to bring them some success because those games have been fairly tight. So. All of those factors, when you talk about Oregon's offense, their passing attack, I'm in wait-and-see mode there. They got a deep group of receivers. Don't know if they do. really got a, a bunch of dudes at a high level, but they're talented. So we'll see. But their quarterback didn't show last week a lot of stuff with his arm that's bringing a lot of fear into this game for that secondary. So... That's it for me, is again, this week, the front seven and how they tackle now with a quarterback that can hurt you, because you talked about how tight that game was last week going up against Mm -hmm. Fresno State, 24-24, three minutes to go. He was the game breaker with the touchdown run that he had, so they got to make sure they do a good job of getting him down.
3: So, there are a couple things there, I I agree with you that that Brown was tabbed as the guy, he's the Boston College transfer He got in last year, got a little work last year, not a lot. Uh, ran for a couple touchdowns. And I think he was fighting between a couple of, like, super recruits for the job. And I, I assume, obviously, he won out. Um, it's his. It was his job to lose. But it's also, they're judging this on getting Oregon to a championship level. That's, this isn't just a, a season that they want to just throw away right. and feel like, you know, we're, we're building or something. Right. Um, Oregon wants to challenge here. Now I don't know, and I have to check. They had a big six-five receiver last year, Devin Williams, and I did not see him on the stat sheet against Fresno State. I, I don't know what happened to him. Now that Jalen Red, who I think led them with catches, and then let me—I'm going to see if uh, there was a, a tight end who they had. I believe that that is now that Pittman is pretty good. They're loaded with talent. The big thing for me tomorrow to watch out for is maybe not putting it all in Anthony Brown's hands. Not not just handing the ball off, their backs of, I think they have, I mean, Verdell for sure, mm-hmm. and then Travis Dye. They didn't catch a lot of passes in the first game. They only each caught one. I would look for that tomorrow. I would look for them to utilize their running backs in the passing game and getting the ball out a little bit and trying to get some a little space. Yeah. That, that punch of Die and Verdell can be very good, and they both have hands, so it makes them versatile. So depending on whether Anthony Brown, and Anthony Brown, as you mentioned, he can take off as well. So it's that kind of thing that will be the challenge for this defense. I don't expect Anthony Brown to sit back there and be able to pick Ohio State apart, regardless of who's out there for Ohio State. Um, But I think they can get physical. They can utilize their running backs in the pass game. Mm -hmm. Um, Their defense wasn't all-world. Um, last year, but they have an all-world defender in Kayvon Thibodeau. We'll see if he can go. He's reportedly made the trip, and maybe he'll test it. And But it's so weird to try to predict this game that Oregon's going to put up a big fight and perhaps take this deep into the fourth quarter like Minnesota did based on the fact that Oregon is coming in here off a bad game, didn't find confidence in their opener, which is what you have to use that for, Like You can spin that both ways, but you really want to use it as a confidence builder. They didn't get confidence out of it other than being able to pull it out in the fourth quarter. And then here's Ohio State, who came off a a very good second half where they made a lot of big plays, made a big play defensively, now they're going back into the comfy confines of Ohio Stadium. So I think the spread is right where it should be, and now it's a matter of going out and executing. But I do think there's a different pressure, not more, but a different type of pressure on C.J. Stroud because he will have the 90,000-plus screaming for him.
4: We talked about last week him dealing with that environment and his first Mm -hmm. start as a collegiate athlete and all of those things. You do get another first in this is what you talked about is, you know, playing your first home game and doing the skulls, like all of those new things. It's different for CJ, so he's got to check one more, hey, I haven't done this box. And then he'll be in the clear with handling all these atmospheres and being at home and knowing, you know, how crazy Buckeye fans are and how supportive they are uh, every single week. But look, I think now that he's settled down, he had that second half to settle down. Uh, I think he's going to be fine. What's really going to be interesting to me is the running backs. What like how was that mm-hmm. cut up yesterday? How uh, tomorrow? How is Coach Alford really going to you know you know really hand out these carries to these running backs because. What we saw from Travion was spectacular on that screen pass, but mine Williams there with that stiff arm he hits on the edge and takes it to the crib, that was very impressive there. So all of those guys can be very productive, but do we get a little look in uh, this week to really who they like to be a horse? Because when you're playing a team like this that has so much talent, You really want to get after him with your best guys on every single play, and do they think there's a clear-cut guy, or do we get um, this week, a lot of what we saw last week where it was fairly even going in to halftime with how those carries were divided up.
3: And I'm going to read into what what Coach Day said. He's got a pretty good handle on this. I I felt like he needed to play Teague in that game. Uh, It's the first game of the year. He's a veteran running back, and even though Mayan broke it off for 70, and people were like, how could you take him out of the game? I think there was a sense of I'm going to go into this with my strategy, and I'm not going to change it. Yeah. My strategy was to get them all in the game. Mm-hmm. My strategy is to kind of shorten the rotation as we move along. Yeah. And just because a guy broke the wrong way and then made a great <laughs> run and leveraged a guy doesn't mean that okay, <laughs> you're getting 35 carries today, <laughs> right? Like I, I think yeah. he, he was very disciplined in his approach in the game. Now he found himself in a fight later on, and when you find yourself in a fight then your plan goes out the window because then you have to, I think, adjust on the fly yeah. to getting your best players the ball. And so when he was asked that question in the press conference, I, I couldn't buy it completely in that, well, we just we, we decided before the game this is what we're going to do keep swinging. I think from a mindset, I totally buy what he was saying, yeah. that we were going to stay aggressive. But the, as far as the running backs go, this will take care of itself. And you're right. Mayan looked amazing you know what you're getting with Master Teague. Mm -hmm. There's a physical presence to Master Teague that he can wear defenses down Mm -hmm. and there's always a time for a kid like that. Yeah. But there's also this wow factor with Mayan getting his stride on Mm. that I hopefully I'll be able to say all season long. And with Travion, that's just this, that is such a luxury of bringing him along in the way they're (laughs) going to want to bring him along. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, where'd he come from? Like, defenses be like, right, right. like they know about him, but it's this be guy. Like, right. wait a minute, yeah. how many guys do we have to try to get on the ground?
4: Solid group, yeah. man. All those guys can be productive if they need to put it on their shoulders. But I think for us, the headliner is Kayvon Thibodeau. That, that's it, right? That That is going to be such a major thing um, in this game. But even if he does play, Ohio State's got some dudes in the trenches, man. They they feel pretty good about this matchup. They have to. They believe in themselves. They have been touted as one of the best offensive lines in the country. This is the ultimate
3: test that you're getting, but those guys, I think, are going to be ready. All right, we'll come back, play a little truth next. Rothman and Ice on The Fan. Here's a listener tweet.
2: Can I tase Common Man in the nuts? Fine by us, but he may like it. Common Man and Tebow. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan. The Fan. Dog advice? Check. Gambling advice? Check. Eating broccoli for every meal?
3: Check. Yeah, no, honey. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, truth on the way. want to mention my friends over at JermaineHondaOfDublin.com have all the new pilots and passports you could feast your eyes on. And I'm doing it right now because I just spotted my next one. 2021 Honda Pilot All-Wheel Drive SC. That thing is awesome. Modern steel, metallic on black, but they've got a ton of them, and this is the time of year to go to Jermaine Honda of Dublin because uh, this is the kind of vehicle you want going into the fall, going into the winter. um, They are smooth. They have everything you could ever ask for. They're reliable, well-equipped, great-priced, and most importantly, once you buy your new Honda from Jermaine Honda of Dublin, that's when they really take care of you. That's when you're going to get the same-day service, no appointment necessary, that's where you're going to get the uh, the backing where you won't feel like if something went wrong, they can't help you. So, com. that's where you go check out the rides. If you want pre-owned certified, they are absolutely loaded. Tell Jerry I said hi over there in pre-owned. Uh, if you pop over to New, which is right across the lot there, Marcello and his team will take care of you. They are the best. com. Truth? Tell the truth with
5: Rothman and Ice. All right. So I'll change my first question a little bit because I know we talked about maybe thinking Latavius Murray will be the number one running back for them at some point for Mm. the Ravens. Not Devontae Freeman. My question to you (laughs) is, is let's just keep it to Murray, Bell, and Freeman. Which Mm -hmm. one of those three is most likely to get cut and out of this even discussion? Every Mm -hmm. running back
3: with a hundred more carries in the Baltimore backfield over the last couple of years has averaged at least five yards of carry and three yards of carry after contact. Latavius well, Murray steps into that. And I think he's probably the guy and I think he can still produce.
4: Who do you think gets cut? That's what CB said. Murray Freeman or Le'Veon Groveport's finest.
3: I mean, he can give you a look in the pass catching area I hate to say it. It's probably the guy I picked up, although I think Devontae's a brand name. I don't know what he truly has left. He's had injury. Uh, he's got injuries in his history, like a lot of running backs do. Um, but I think Murray is, you know, uh, he's a veteran, and I think he could be the man for the job. Now, that Tyson Williams, who you didn't mention to me, is the favorite, right? To, to kind of be the whatever. If there is a guy, the guy is Lamar Jackson. But if there's a running back who's the guy... I do think that Devontae, if he if he gets on that team and he makes I do feel like he could be a touchdown dependent vulture at the goal line. I'd i i would be I don't know if I have the guts to start him or put him in a flex. Yeah. I'd have to be pretty desperate or my running backs would have to be on bye. Yeah. But if he's in uniform and I have to flex him and you guys get inside the five, I do worry Lamar would take those. Sure. There'll be some but if those. someone's gonna get the ball, it might be Freeman at the goal line. I think at the end
4: of the year The bulk of the numbers will be in Latavius Murray's camp, Mm -hmm. Uh, but to answer your question, CB, I'm going to go with Devontae as a guy that I I don't think makes it. I think Le'Veon, what he can Mm -hmm. offer potentially in the passing game Mm -hmm. is a little bit more than Devontae, but hey, honestly, I will not be surprised if all four of these guys are on the roster for the entire year.
0: And that, my boy, is a damn truth.
5: Okay, so John Lynch says that Trey Lance, they expect him to be active for this week one game, and obviously what we saw from the end of preseason, they could get a little weird with it, especially bringing in Lance and the red zone. But my question is going to pertain to when he will, at least week-wise, when will he take over the starting position?
4: So here's the thing with me. Like, Jimmy G, not the biggest Jimmy G guy. But they win when he's playing. Like, the thing is, he's just injured. Like, his availability hasn't been. 22 and 8 as a starter. Right, exactly. So they're racking up dubs with Jimmy G. It's just about, is he going to be there night in and night out? They got a week six bye. In week five, they play a divisional opponent. So, and they got back to back weeks, week four and five of divisional opponents. They drop those, and he doesn't look great. I could see him starting after that in week seven.
3: Okay, you're dead on right. Because Jimmy G is going to get these tune-ups on the road. Now, you can't trip on these speed bumps at Detroit and at Philly. That can't happen. Mm -hmm. But I I doubt they're going to throw Lance into the fire against Green Bay and Seattle and Arizona. It's possible if Garoppolo is a bad game at Philly and they limp past Detroit... Then I feel like maybe you could make the move there, but I think you nailed this. I think this has got bye week written all over it. You come out week seven at home against Indy. If Garoppolo does not look good in in that murderer's row of Green Bay, Seattle, and Arizona, Mm -hmm. that would be your transitional time, and it sets up for it. Just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it.
5: All right, one more quick one here. So which was the bigger fantasy red flag for you? Was it Mike Evans or Zeke Elliott?
3: Well, considering... Knock, knock, knocking
5: on, Evans
3: Dowell. Is that where you're going? I just want to throw another pun in. i have on a roll this week.
4: Um, boy, just talking about draft price, a lot of people are probably freaking out about Zeke because he was probably up there high in your drafts. But this Mike Evans thing, it ain't great because going back to last mm-hmm. year wasn't great either. I just think, boy, this is a good question, C. because I think a lot of red flags being thrown up for both these guys. I'll roll with Zeke. I think the combination of all the fumbles last year, him not playing great, and then you get what you got last night. There's people really, really down on Zeke. I believe in the fantasy world.
3: Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if it's completely fair. There's something there. It was kind of matchup related last I, that's night. That's where I'm at too. yep. and he had a chance to make a one-on-one move at the five, but he's going the wrong, you know, on a, on a tough cutback for him. Yeah. And so, and he and he caught a ball near the goal line, but his momentum took him out, yeah. so he couldn't score there. Nice little toe you know, drag he, there. Yeah, he probably was a touchdown away last night. Of actually, people feeling different about it in a weird way. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Evans as well. I, I think that you know, kind of stubbed himself a little bit last night. Um, they've got other weapons. Uh, you certainly drafted Zeke in the first round, and you didn't draft Evans in the first round, and you asked the question based on fantasy. But I think Evans was one of those mid-20s guy that you may have jumped in on because of Brady. Now, other weapons there. I feel like it would be Evans. Not that he would get lost in the mix, but the production just might not be there. Zeke's got so many games. He's going to get the football. He's going to catch some passes. He'll get in the end zone. I think at the end of the season, we'll look back and say the people who drafted Zeke will probably be okay with it. Where the people that drafted Evans will be like, uh-oh, did I make the wrong move? Because there were other options around that area. And
2: the truth shall set you free!
3: Real, real quick, AR.
4: Mm-hmm. Did you see Dax Cleats last night? No, I did not. Oh, my goodness. Those Jordan ones he had on with, like, the Navy and then on the heels, that Cowboys kind of platinum silver. Him signing that deal with Jordan was a win. Leaving Adidas Mm. for Jordan, that's a dub. Because the cleats he's wearing every week, they are going to be incredible. You might wear those cleats to work. No doubt, man. Just forget about
3: playing football. That's the
4: first thing I noticed last
3: night. Dak, the cleat game was on point. What, What the pros wear. Yeah, no doubt. I need it. We'll come back. We'll try to get the latest on the inside word on the beast from the Ducks, Kayvon Thibodeau. Made the trip, but will he play? We'll talk to James Crepia next from the Oregonian. Rothman and Ice on The Fan. Winners of the prestigious Platinum Microphone Award
2: every year. Given to the best radio station in the world. Uh, No need to look it up. It's real. The Fan. Rothman and Ice present Big Game Preview.
3: Sponsored by Hinderer Motorsports. All right, we can't get enough of behind enemy lines, and we'll do it with the Oregon Duck beat reporter for the Oregonian, James Crepia. James, good to have you back.
0: Appreciate you guys for having me.
3: All right, man. So anything new between uh, late this morning and now? What about Kayvon Thibodeau? Can you confirm that uh, he's with the team? Is he doing anything with them today? Or are they just keeping him uh, rest, ice, compression, elevation? Like what's happening with him?
0: Uh, boy, I wish I could fill in like all those blanks for you, man. Uh, believe me, I wish I had. I wish I was able to not only fill it in them for you. Uh, I wish I would just know it myself. Uh, but alas, uh, late in the late in the week for college football, as you know, uh, virtually everybody is pretty uh, buttoned up. Especially, I guess Oregon did travel uh, and landed in Columbus last night. Uh, all I know at the moment uh, is based off just the various posts from players upon landing and all that that he did make the trip. Uh, so. Obviously an encouraging sign. That said, I don't believe there are even the quote-unquote usual travel restrictions uh, in terms of travel squad restrictions uh, that may normally be there because this is an early non-conference game, because Oregon's not even in class yet. So they may be able to bring more people, but they may have to declare a squad ahead of time in terms of who's actually eligible to play. Uh, but I need a little bit of clarity from that myself. You know, it's been a minute since we've all been in this mm-hmm. kind of situation. <laughs> you know, with a true non-conference and under the circumstances. But bottom line, KT made the trip. Uh, we did not speak to him this week. Uh, all we got was from Mario earlier in the week, and it's wait and see, and it's day by day. And you know, in terms of just reading the tea leaves, we didn't see him milling about uh, with some of the other players uh, coming in and out of the weight room or off the practice field. Uh, we don't have practice access these days, but. That said, there's like 30 different ways that players can leave the practice field. So just because he didn't come in front of us doesn't mean that he wasn't there at all. Uh, He could have been getting treatment early in the week, could have returned to on the field Thursday or today. Uh, There's just a lot of unknown there. But obviously it's the most important ankle heading into this game and perhaps the most important ankle in all of college football this weekend.
4: You're right about that, man. No, no question. Wanted to ask you about this Oregon offense and how you think they plan to attack this defense of Ohio State last week. Minnesota was some really good success along the ground. Like, what should Ohio State fans be looking for as far as what Oregon is bringing to the table offensively this week?
0: So, Al, I think they'll attack it versus how I would attack it if I were Oregon. Maybe two different things. Uh, but I, I do think ultimately there is a level of commonality insofar as I do think they're going to run the football a pretty good bit uh, or certainly attempt to. And that starts with C.J. Verdell. Uh, I just, I mean, he's, he's a back to back 1,000 yard rusher in 2018, 2019, uh, has played through just a long list of injuries, but last year injured his thumb in the second game of the season, opened the short year that was for the Pac 12 with back to back 100 yard games, and Oregon's 9 and 1 when he runs for 100 yards. And that's, you know, that's enormous. And unfortunately, he injured his thumb in that second game against Washington State, played through the injury for three games, and then missed the Pac-12 title game, missed the Fiesta Bowl. Now, as important as he is, and yes, they have a second back in Travis Dye, and they have a lot of talented younger backs who just didn't get on the field last week uh, from a carry standpoint. So those guys will be a very, very, very big factor. Uh, no question. To me, it starts at Verdell. Dye is uh, really useful and explosive out of the backfield uh, in the past game. So is Verdell at times. Uh, but that has the higher top end speed, more of the scat back type uh, body size and whatnot. James but to Cre- me, that's where the commonality is. I think it has to start with the, with the ground game. That's a, do they have the potential for explosive passes? Absolutely.
3: James Crepier with us, Oregon Ducks beat reporter for the Oregonian. Let me ask you about this defense and trying to contain uh, C.J. Stroud. If they have to do it without Thibodeau, um, how much? What do they have defensively without him? Do you feel? I know it's hard to know. Um, and then that secondary, trying to, to keep track of Olave and Wilson and company. Do they have the horses to stay with them?
0: Sure. So in terms of the front seven uh, with him, obviously it's a, it's a different kind of an animal. Uh, but they do have some really talented players there still. Uh, one, in terms of who would be playing either in place of Kayvon Thibodeau or just behind him and still be a big part of the rotation, played with him. Uh, on a sack early on last week where KT really was responsible for it, though Braden Swinson recorded the sack. He benefited from it. So he's certainly a player who will be a big part of tomorrow, regardless, whether he's, you know, all the reps that KT was getting or he's getting just a, a fraction thereafter. Adrian Jackson Jr., another just designated pass rusher. You'll see him more on third downs, probably, I would say. Off the other edge, Mace Foon is going to be there a lot. Again, another former four-star top-end player out of uh, Matterday High School in Southern California, the powerhouse program that that is. So they have a lot there. Then in the inside linebacker spots, Noah Sewell, former five star, uh, freshman All-American last year, tied for the team leading tackles last year. Really, really hard tackler, playmaker over the middle. And Justin Flo, who also is in that regard, where he missed last year towards meniscus in the opening game, basically missed the season. Had 14 tackles last week, was Pac-12 freshman of the week, uh, forced the fumble late that led to the game tying field goal. Now there is some rumor mill, uh, unsubstantiated, murmurings about Justin Flo's availability for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, no one has been able to definitively confirm uh, the fire to where that smoke is coming. No one has been able to definitively refute the fire to where that smoke is coming. So do they have other bodies at the inside linebacker position too? It's starting to get thin behind those two five stars who are the number one and two inside linebacker recruits in 2020. They have the bodies, but obviously you start losing multiple five stars potentially. Potentially. And that would be, I mean, there's very few teams in America who can kind of overcome that kind of loss.
4: You laid out what this team can bring to the table with their rushing attack with Verdell and Dye and his versatility. What about the playmakers, the guys on, on the outside? Who who should, who should we be looking at to potentially make an impact?
0: So from a truly reliable standpoint, uh, from an offensive standpoint, uh, Johnny Johnson III is one of the super senior receivers on this team. Uh, He's somebody who they feel like they can go to in a lot of spots, can play all the receiver positions. It's probably most uh, cut out to play the Z, but he could end up playing all of them. Micah Pittman has, I think, the best pro potential of the returning receivers uh, from this team. They have a nucleus, though, going forward with a lot of freshmen, and we only had to see one of them make a catch last week, Uh, another one that was a bit more limited, and a third who just came in and arrived in the summer and did well in fall camp. But we didn't, I don't think we really saw them almost at all last week if he we did. It was on special teams. So do they have weapons that may not even have numbers yet just because they've only played one career game? Yeah, they do. And the freshman receivers are definitely big threats. And I think, frankly, that their lack of production last week was somewhat in part to just the fact of the way the game played out and that they didn't necessarily want to show a lot on tape to Ohio State of what these guys can do. So there are options, but from the truly, like, what you're most confident in by way of the outside threats and those playmakers, you got to start with Johnson and Pittman to me, and uh, Pittman in particular. He can he can be a game-breaker uh, in various different roles in the receiving core, and yeah, those would be the guys I would start with, but those freshmen, like Troy Franklin and Dante Thornton in particular, could also be very dynamic weapons if they get involved.
3: Yeah, boy, they they almost gambled. If they didn't want to show something,
0: they played that all the way to the end, man. Oh, no, it was not a a pretty or impressive performance by any stretch of the imagination.
3: All right, James, in our final minute, we'll give it on the the psychology of this game. It's been talked about all offseason. It's certainly going to be a a huge one for both teams. Uh, Beat Ohio State here, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's on. I mean, Ryan Day hasn't lost a regular season game here. Uh, They haven't lost a game well, I don't even know if they've lost a home game since maybe Baker Mayfield came in here and did it with Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while, and and this kid Anthony Brown taking over for Justin Herbert and all of that. Um, give me the confidence level. Didn't have a good week one, like you said. Um, do they have flipped the switch type mentality in this game? How how intimidating will they? How intimidated will they be? They've never beaten Ohio State as a program.
1: I,
0: I don't think that the factors that you lay out by way of you know, yes, obviously they they respect and appreciate the the history that Ohio State has, both long term and, and most recent history by way of like you referred to not losing a home game since Baker Mayfield came in here week two of the 2017 season. They get all that. Having said that, the the major, not just majority overwhelming majority of this roster, you know, not not Brown, he's a you know sixty year quarterback and a you know grad transfer been in program two years. No, not a couple of receivers who are super seniors. No, Verdell and Die are juniors, but you know, fifth year junior, fourth year junior. But you start getting a little bit lower down, mainly on the defensive side, admittedly. And a lot of these players are freshmen, second year freshmen, third year sophomores. They haven't gone through every which battle, and sometimes just ignorance is bliss. And that, yeah. you know, in that sense, like they they can respect it. But you know, when you talk about like the intimidation factor. I don't think these guys, you know, i got to remember, guys, I realize, you know, nationally speaking, they've been a little out of the conversation. Uh, Don't get me wrong, but they are back-to-back Pac-12 champions. You know, this is a team that has its own degree of confidence with what it's capable of, too. Now, having said that, it's all relative. They have not made it to the playoff yet. They haven't gotten to that level and plateau in the sport yet. That's what they're aiming for and aspiring for. But I don't think they come in here as an intimidated group by... Any f- number. of The fact is, like you lay out, either Ohio State's general dominance or the horseshoe and being a bigger building than pretty much all of them have ever played in. I, you know, I think that's fun for us to talk about, but I really don't think that this is a team who's going to be. I don't think the stage, the magnitude of the stage, will be too big. I think the talent gap may be too big, but I don't think the stage is too big. Okay,
3: James, good stuff, man. Thanks for setting the table for us. Enjoy the game, and we appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. James Crappia. Yeah. Oregonian, uh, Oregon Ducks beat reporter. He's on the Bryan Heating and Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. NFL Two Minute Drill next. Final predictions. Will Wentz play? Will Barkley pay, play? Will Odell Beckham play? We'll give you the latest next. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
2: Bishop and Lauren the only radio show equally versed in professional wrestling and coeds from Billings, Montana. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9. The fan. Time for the NFL 2-Minute
1: Drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today.
3: All right, NFL 2-Minute Drill. Carson Wentz, I guess, looked fine after his foot surgery and the procedure and all that. Everyone said it was going to kill him for week one. It's not. He's going to start against the Seahawks. So here we go. Can he keep keep up with the cookmaster? Russ.
4: Well, that's going to be big because I saw earlier Xavier
5: Rhodes is out he's for out. the Colts. So if you're a DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett mm-hmm. owner, you're, you're liking that news. And Kenny Mo- I think Kenny Moore's the number two that was supposed to go against Lockett. I think he's been dealing with an injury too. So
4: fire up all your Seahawks maybe in this game. That defense is supposed to be good with the Colts. But yeah, Russell Wilson coming in. Uh, he's going to get after him. Look, it's a weakness for the Colts on paper right now. They're going to try to take advantage of it. I can't wait to see Carson Wentz though, man.
3: Yeah. The only good news is that they already knew the Rhodes. We're going to be closed. They already knew that Rhodes was going to be out. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a a wild ride for them. But I agree with you. I'm looking forward to seeing him as well. One of the best nicknames
4: in the NFL, by the way. Rhodes closed when he was elite, playing for you guys. Yeah, then
3: then they were open a lot. Yeah, then the exits uh, they were open. Saquon Barkley wouldn't say if he'll play in Week One against the Broncos. Of course not. Keep it a secret. Competitive. Close to being fully cleared, though. I think you're right. I think that's going to be one of those triumphant return like, here we go. If
4: I had to guess, man, we'll probably have him on a pitch count. They're not mm-hmm. going to get crazy with the amount of carries he gets because I believe they are in week, next week they get Thursday night football against the Washington football team. So that that's a major deal uh, for them to really keep him healthy through these first couple weeks, but more importantly for next week to unleash him on the defense. That's going uh, to be special this year uh, for sure out there in Washington. You mentioned Odell and his availability. Coach Kevin Stefanski came out Mm -hmm. and said that they're going to let the world know 90 minutes before this game. The world. Because the the world's going to be waiting to see what's going on uh, with Odell. But, man, I hope he can go. I hope he can go because I said it earlier. I think even his presence alone with his game-breaking ability, you have to respect. And that's only going to help out a rushing attack. That
3: really doesn't need much help. CB, Orange and Fudge report. Why is this even a question? I thought he looked great in preseason.
5: I I think this is kind of similar to how, you know, Shanahan's doing with the quarterbacks. And they're just, I think they're just playing with you. I I think he will get out there, but I will think he will be limited in some way, maybe snaps wise. So if you're playing fantasy, I would wait a week, see how he looks. But yeah, no, I I think he will get on the field in some capacity. You know what I heard right
4: there, AR? Mm -hmm. It's Donovan Peoples Jones season. DPJ.
3: Yeah. Lions head coach Dan Campbell dismissed social media rumors about DeAndre Swift being investigated by Philadelphia police. Who knows what was it? There was a rumor that they were looking into his involvement into some alleged homicide. I mean, it was pretty yeah. serious rumors. The internet rumors were just churning. Um, he didn't want. He didn't feel he needed to comment on those. But he he was asked directly if he's under investigation. And he said, "Not to my knowledge." Okay, so that's the good news okay. as we go on. All right, that is today's NFL two minute drill. It is that time. It's prediction time here on the fan. Matthew Ice. You go first. Lock man. and load. All right. Thank you. I'll take your honor. Your honor, your honor. Um, 41-23, Ohio State. 41-23. Yeah. I think, that, uh, I think the spread is right. I think Ohio State does break this open late. I do think we certainly could have a game with Oregon and the running backs if they can kind of move the chains. Yeah. Um, Stroud certainly wants to pick up where he left off, but um, everything should be in order for Ohio State to uh, – Crack the 40 mark, and then I just don't think Oregon can stay with them offensively. That's not predicting turnovers. Who knows sure. what's going to happen there? Sure. Yeah, I got 41-23 Ohio State.
4: I'm, ro- mm, Excuse me. I'm, I'm rolling with the Buckeyes 45-30. to 30. So I got Oregon getting in the paint one extra time mm-hmm. than you do, and I think they cover the
5: spread. So give me the Buckeyes 45-30. I'm always also going with an 18-point victory. I'll go 38-20. All right.
4: And I am looking at a half-empty bottle of Cavathea, which means that we are just about out of time. They are
3: all right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Maddie wakes you up at six thirty. Uh. I'll jump on at eight thirty, and then it's all Buckeyes all the time. Rothman and Ice on the fan. <laughs>